All right, so um, so we are this evening in Numbers chapter 7. Um, so please turn with me there to uh, Numbers chapter 7. And um, one of the things that, uh, or, or the, the main theme that we're going to have and see and learn about this evening is, uh, is about giving. Uh, it reminds me of the fact that we are called as, as believers to, um, to give generously of our time, talent, and treasures. And uh, that's something that reflects the glory of God, the very character of God in our, in our own lives. And so um, uh, that's, that's the, the one theme that you're going to see throughout this whole chapter. It's, it's a chapter that we will see um, repeats uh, 12 times uh, the number of items that are brought before the Lord to offer uh, from each of the 12 chiefs of the 12 tribes of Israel. But it's all... As we know in the Bible, to be if it's repeated, it's it's because it's supposed to be emphasized for us to understand, for us to learn, for us to heed, for us to listen to, and reflect in our own lives. So the title of this evening's message is to reflect the giver of all good things. So before we get into the word, let's uh, let's pause for a moment and ask for God's blessing. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we have the opportunity to come here this evening, Lord, and just sit at your feet to continue our study of your word. Your word tells us that we are to be students of your word, continuing to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That your word itself, that as we hide it in our hearts, that it keeps us from sinning ignorantly. It helps us from continuing in our sin. If we but listen to the Holy Spirit as, as He gives us understanding of what the content of our lives is, Your Word, it lights the path. It tells us where our feet are in the direction in which we are to go in. And so this evening, Father, I pray that You would open up our understanding, that You would help us to see what You would have us to see and understand, that we would apply these truths to your glory. And so we, we commit this evening into your hands, Lord. We ask your blessing and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, the Apostle Paul said, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. The Apostle Paul, also in writing to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, said this, The point is this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And finally, in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, it is written, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give, and only suffers want. Again, we're going to talk about the generosity of God, first and foremost, and how it is that it should reflect in our individual lives And us as a body, as the body of Christ, it should reflect that within. 
the corporate body that we have here, the local church that we call Refuge. It's normal for a person to ask for, to want, to even desire things for themselves, especially when we're younger. We know, you know, especially if we have teenagers in the house, how it is that, uh, you know, a lot of things are kind of about the person, right? It all centers around that person. And um, in, in a lot of times, they're asking, they're asking for themselves. Now, that's not to say that you won't find a generous young person, but those are rare to find. You see, generosity isn't something that is innate, something that is naturally placed within us. It's something that we learn, especially as we grow in Christ. We are hardly inclined to be givers, but sometimes we are givers, some more than others. As a Christian, though, we are called to be generous, but it is something that we again grow in as we learn how lavish and faithful God is toward us. It's when we realize that it is indeed more blessed to give than to receive that we begin to live lives that are investing in one place. And it's not this one. It's in the kingdom of heaven to God's eternal glory. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17-19 through 19 says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. A lot of people are searching for life, how to live life to its fullest. Sometimes we look for it in hobbies or travel or work or whatever. You just fill in the blank. It could be in our children, in our family, in our spouse. And we come to find out and realize that it's not in possessions. It's not in money. It's not in anything that we can achieve here on earth. But rather, it's to be rich in Christ and to truly be generous with everything that God has entrusted to us as stewards. You see, we are truly rich in Christ. And what the Lord has given to us, this time, talent, and treasure that I referred to earlier, should be used to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, and to share, thus storing up treasure for ourselves as a good foundation for the future so that we may take hold of that which is truly life. That's living. If you've ever stumbled across what it feels like to be generous, to give of yourself, even sometimes just sacrificially, but you gave joyfully. Why? Because as you gave, you realize that that, that's where living is. You don't receive so you can hoard it, but you receive so that you may use it to God's glory, to bless others, to bless God. We're about to receive a lesson in what, is, what it is to live lives abundantly in Christ, as free in Him, and not slaves to the world and sin in the flesh. You see, if we're, if we're hoarders, that means we're not trusting in the Lord. Everything we take, we receive, and, and we just store it away, we put it away, and we soon find out that it, it goes somehow. 
You know, there's a, there's a hole in the pocket and it just keeps going out. But to live lives of abundant riches in Christ is what we need to come to. Again, not slaves to the world, not slaves to sin, and not slaves to the flesh. Remember that the Lord is teaching his people to live lives in the promised land. He's preparing them for this very thing as opposed to living in slavery. It's a whole different way of thinking and therefore should reflect in their living just as it should reflect in our own lives. It's a living that looks beyond the present temporal and to the future eternal glory of God. Oh, how different life is when you look beyond what, what is now, what is temporal, what is temporary, what is like a, a breath or a mist that is sprayed out in one of those spray bottles. Have you ever seen it? You, you spray it and it's here one moment, gone the next. It's like, wow, where'd it go, right? The Bible describes our lives that way. But when we look beyond this life, that's when we're truly living in Christ. So with that in mind, Let's go into this chapter. Last week we spoke about, uh, we learned about the Nazarite vow and Aaron's blessing at the end of chapter 6. And now at the beginning of chapter 7, we see that there is this consecration, this offering that comes before the Lord. And again, like I said, it's done 12 times with this initial offering um, of giving. It's for the Levitical priesthood. And it's a pretty practical giving to them and to their use and for their use. All right. Chapter 7, verse 1. On the day when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle and had anointed and consecrated it with all its furnishings and had anointed and consecrated the altar with all its utensils, the chiefs of Israel, heads of their father's houses, who were the chiefs of the tribes, who were over those who were listed, approached and brought their offerings before the Lord. Six wagons and twelve oxen, a wagon for every two of the chiefs, and for each one an ox. They brought them before the tabernacle. Then the Lord said to Moses, Accept these from them, that they may be used in the service of the tent of meeting, and give them to the Levites, to each man according to a service. So Moses took the wagons and the oxen, and gave them to the Levites. Two wagons and four oxen he gave to the sons of Gershon, according to their service. And four wagons and eight oxen he gave to the sons of Merari, according to their service, under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron the priest. But to the sons of Kohath he gave none, because they were charged with the service of the holy things that had to be carried on the shoulder. Let's stop there for a moment. These are uh, tribal offerings. They bring them before the Lord. Uh, the Lord speaks to Moses. Moses hears from the Lord, and therefore he distributes accordingly, just as the Lord had prescribed or commanded Moses to do. The assigned leaders of each tribe came together. And what we need to, again, take into account and note is that they came before the Lord. Always with our offering, we should come before the Lord. No matter if we're given giving to uh, the need of a person individually. We're giving of our time, talent or treasure, doesn't matter. Giving an, an offering, giving our tithe. We need to always remember that we're coming, offering these offerings before the Lord. And this is what they were doing. They were coming before the Lord to offer their offerings before the Lord and to the Lord. These offerings were brought 
six wagons or six carts and 12 oxen. This happened on the day Moses had finished anointing and consecrating all that the Lord had commanded him to anoint and consecrate. That is set aside for the specific and exclusive use of the Lord. The tabernacle and its furnishings and also all of its utensils and everything that went along with, the, with these items. By the way, what we're, what we're seeing here is no small offering. It was brought and offered before the Lord and to the Lord. Kind of a little note with that though, is that as these offerings were made before the Lord, if you keep that kind of a perspective, if you keep that in mind and in your heart, then what happens beyond that giving is really up to that person or people and the Lord. Sometimes we want to dictate where it goes and what we do, right? And like, for instance, and I'll just use this as an example. Please pray. Please pray for the leadership of this church that we would have wisdom and discernment in how to appropriately handle, manage, and apply the tithes and offerings that belong to God. But please also allow us to seek the Lord in doing so. Now, I make this statement from time to time in the board and the leadership of this church. Um, that is the elders. We have uh, Stephen Fraser and we have um, Charlie Sample. And we also have our deacon, which is in the back here, Randy. Now, at any time, if it's appropriate and you wish to see the books, you are free to do so. We are completely transparent in that respect. That way you know, okay, if, if you feel, you know, that you really definitely have, have a need to see it, you may do so. There's nothing there that's being hidden. And again, I pray that the Lord is giving us wisdom on how to apply each and every penny that is given for the glory of God here. These were no small offerings, just as what you offer is no small offering. These were not small sacrifices. But both of these, you know, whether it be sacrifices or an offering, either way, it should be a sacrifice unto the Lord. It was brought and offered before the Lord and to the Lord. But these, what we have before us, these oxen and these wagons were offered to be used by the priests for the work of the tabernacle. Very practical. It wasn't for sacrifices on the altar. It was be, they were to be used. And these wagons were, weren't to be given so that they could sell them or anything like that. It, they were to be used. And the Lord used them. Verses 4 through 9 lays out how it is that the Lord distributes the offering for use. Moses, again, was directed by the Lord to receive the offerings and distribute them for use by the Levites in the work of the tabernacle. Two wagons and four oxen for the sons of Gershon. Four wagons and eight oxen for the sons of Merari. And for the sons of Kohath, zero. Nothing. That's how the Lord distributed what was given to them for their use. 
The sons of Gershon were assigned to transport the curtains, coverings, and screen, as well as the hangings of the court and the screen for the entrance. This is covered, and we went over this a few weeks ago in Numbers chapter 4, verses 25 and 26. This required, according to the Lord, two wagons and four oxen. Therefore, that is what God gave them. The sons of Merari. They were tasked with transporting the frames, bars, pillars, bases, pegs, cords, and all of the equipment that went with them and their accessories. This required, according to the Lord, four wagons and eight oxen. Therefore, that is what God gave them. That was covered, by the way, in Numbers chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. And the Kohathites, no carts, no oxen. So why? Why is it that they didn't get anything? That hardly seems fair. Perhaps, perhaps it was so that they wouldn't be tempted to place the most holy things on a wagon, on a cart. Because God had very, very detailed and very accurately commanded that they transport their items by these poles. Walking, not on carts, not on wagons. They were to be on their shoulders. You see, there was this great celebration in 2 Samuel chapter 6. And it was because the house of Israel had defeated the Philistines. It was then that the ark of God was brought out of the house of of Abinadab and placed on a new cart, driven by some oxen. You guys see anything wrong with this? See plenty wrong with it, right? Right away. Verses 5 through 7 of 2 Samuel chapter 6, it says this, And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, uh, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error. And he died there beside the ark of God. You see, God required the footing of the priests to transport the ark by the poles, not the footing of the beasts. God forbade the priests from touching the ark. It was very clear. Clear instructions. Do not touch the holy ark. Do not touch. There are certain items that they were not to touch whatsoever. Remember, it was for the sons of Aaron to prepare these things for travel, for transport. And once they were all wrapped up, and once the poles were through, and they were ready to be transported, that's when the Levites were to come, pick them up by the poles and take them. They weren't to touch them. The air was in moving with the wagon, number one. Number two, the air was reaching out to touch the holy thing. It shouldn't have been done. God gave specific orders and gave the Kohathites exactly what they needed to carry those orders out. No need for a wagon. No need for oxen. So, the others had plenty of heavy stuff to to lift and carry and transport. They're the ones that get the wagons. You see, we need to be careful what we ask for. Because if you're receiving more, then it's because God is preparing you for a specific work that requires more. You want eight carts? Okay. By the way, that requires 16 oxen. Their care, and you should be able to carry much more weight. 
you will be given more. You see in Luke chapter 12, verse 48, it says, Everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. The Lord entrusts more to us. That means that there's a higher requirement. There's more that's expected of you. So be careful what you ask for. Because if you're given a few more wagons, that means the oxen come with it and also everything that you could carry. It's a lot more. Many times when a person receives more, they use it for themselves and not for the glory of the Lord. It reminds me of the story of Hezekiah. It's brought up earlier in, in the day. And, and how it is that he, he turned away from, the, from, from Isaiah. As Isaiah had given him the report that he was, uh, was, was going to die. He was sick and he was dying. He was told him he was going to die. He pleaded. Pleaded with the Lord. Begged him. And he gave him 15 more years. One of those 15 years, pride filled his heart. And he boasted of the things, the riches that he accumulated. And he didn't finish well. So, that's what we need to think about. What is it that God's entrusted to? Whatever it is, it needs to be used as stewards of those, whatever it is. Like I said, time? Do you have any time? Is it, is it talent? Is it treasure? It's all to be used for the glory of the Lord. And are we doing that? So, God distributed to them the wagons and the oxen as the Levitical priests had need. And it was God's perfect wisdom. He did it with perfect knowledge of exactly what they needed. And it was given for that purpose. So, it's like God arranged it all. You know, when, when we see things happening within the church even, oh, it, it's God's perfect hand moving. And we're given exactly what we need. And it's beautiful. Then we have these offerings of dedication. Verses 10 and 11 covers this. And the chiefs offered offerings for the dedication of the altar on the day it was anointed. And the chiefs offered their offering before the altar. And the Lord said to Moses, They shall offer their offerings one chief each day for the dedication of the altar. These were dedication offerings for the altar when it was anointed on that day. Each day, each priest would offer an offering for each tribe. It was very specific. The first giving of gifts were these wagons and oxen for the tabernacle, for the tab- tabernacle's use, and for the Levites to use specifically. Now there are these other offerings, and it's lavish, it's extravagant. Each and every day, each chief of each tribe is to give a specified list of items. For the altar, for the dedication of the altar. It was the Lord that said, They shall offer their offerings, one chief each day, for the dedication of the altar. It wasn't Moses that was saying this. He didn't just come up with it and say, Hey, guys, this is what we're going to do. It was the Lord. And he said, They shall. Moses was simply passing along that which God had commanded. By the way, that's a, good, that's a good leader, that's a good teacher, one who listens to God, not himself or other ideas, or even seemingly good thoughts, if they're in contrast to the very word of God. It really doesn't matter. He needs to simply pass along God's word as authoritative, perfect, and absolute. 
Moses was being faithful to God to communicate to them God's word without adding or subtracting or even infusing his own narrative of whether he thought it was fair or not. Or giving license, listen to this, or giving license to withdraw or neglect its giving because perhaps it seemed to be too much of a sacrifice for them or a bit narrow of a command. Do you know who uh, Eugene H. Peterson is? Well, if you don't, you're about to find out. Eugene H. Peterson. He is such a man. He endorsed a heretical, the shack, and is the author of the message, The Bible in Contemporary Language. Have you ever read that, the message? I would highly suggest you don't use this uh, adulterated version of the Bible. It might be good to know the author's view on something as basic as God's view of homosexuality. And it's very clear. I mean, you can read Romans 1 and just start there. But you can do a study throughout the, the Bible. Now, I do want to say this before I read this quote by Eugene Peterson. And that is that homosexuality as is murder, as is anger, as is adultery, as is all of these sins, if we stand in our sin without repenting, we remain in our sin and we are condemned already. We need to repent of our sin. That means, like I said on Sunday, turn from our sin. Right? Not a 360, but a 180. Not dictate to God what we're going to do. And he's still going to love us, and that's just the way things are. But no matter what our inclination is, we are to submit and surrender to the Lordship of God and allow him to be the one who governs our lives. So, Eugene Peterson, and I'm going to quote. This is his, his view. I know, quote, I know a lot of people who are gay and lesbian and they seem to have as good a spiritual life as I do. I think that kind of debate about lesbians and gays might be over. People who disapprove of it, they'll probably just go to another church. So we're in a transition and I think it's a transition for the best, for the good. I don't think it's something that you can parade, but it's not a right or wrong thing as far as I'm concerned. Close quote. Eugene Peterson was also interviewed by Religion News Service and was asked, quote, If you were pastoring today and a gay couple in your church who were Christians of good faith asked you to perform their same-sex wedding ceremony, is that something you would do? Eugene Peterson responded, quote, Yes. Close quote. This, by the way, I want to reference this. This was written by Jonathan Merritt, and you can find it on www.religiousnews.com and read it for yourself. There's more to the interview. It's all there. I don't have the authority to change God's Word. For it to say what I'd like for it to say, just to fit my lifestyle, I'm just simply the delivery boy. That's all I am. You see, God says what He means and means what He says. I don't have to speak for Him. His Word speaks for itself. 
Moses was such a man. He also did not have the authority to change the word of God to say what maybe he would like for it to say. And he simply passed along what God had commanded. And they did it. And they did it. So we need to be very careful. You know, and, that, and that's why I say a good teacher, a good teacher in, in our children's ministry will be teaching the word of God unadulterated, just straight from, from the word of God, uh, the, the Bible um, in its form. A good teacher in men's or women's or youth will simply teach the word of God. Again, we don't have the authority to change it. And that's why I wanted to give you I, I, I want to give you examples. I want to give you some, some, sometimes some uh, detailed information as to, hey, you know what? Look, look up for yourself. Look up for yourself the author of the shack also and see where that person stands. And you tell me if he's sound biblically. And you tell me if he doesn't have some kind of ulterior motive to writing the book and making the movie. And you tell me if it's innocent or not. I tell you what, we're called to be watchmen on the wall. We, we need to warn the church of these, these types of things as well. We're not to be afraid or kind of cower behind being politically correct in not mentioning these things. That's, that's ridiculous. The Bible says that these men, these people should be called out. You should be warned. I'm responsible for you. And if I'm not warning you, then I am falling short of fulfilling what God has commanded for me to fulfill. Moses. Moses just passed along God's word. That's what he did. And then we're going to read through. It's repetitious, so I'm not going to read every single one. I'm going to read the names. I'm going to read the first one in, in detail. But every single one after that is the same. The, the same sacrifice, the same dedicated, the same offering was done 12 times from the 12 chiefs of the 12 tribes of Israel. So beginning in verse 12, it says, He who offered his offering the first day was Neshon, the son of Aminadab of the tribe of Judah. And his offering was one silver plate whose weight was 130 shekels, one silver basin of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one golden dish of 10 shekels full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old. This was the offering of Nashon, the son of Amminadab. And then we go on from there. Verse 18, on the second day, Nathanael, the son of Zuar, the chief of Issachar, made an offering. He offered for his offering. And it goes on the same thing, the same exact thing. We go to verse 24. On the third day, Eliab, the son of Helon, the chief of the people of Zebulun, his offering was exactly the same. The very same thing. Verse 30. On the fourth day, Eliezer, the son of Sheduer, the chief of the people of Reuben, his offering was same thing. Verse 36. On the fifth day, Shalumiel, the son of Zerushadai, 
the chief of the people of Simeon. His offering was the same thing. Verse 42, on the sixth day, Eliasaph, the son of Duel, the chief of the people of Gad, his offering was the same thing. On the seventh day, Elishama, the son of Amihud, the chief of the people of Ephraim, his offering was the same. Verse 54, on the eighth day, Gamaliel, the son of Pedazer, the, the chief of the people of Manasseh, his offering was exactly the same thing. On the, uh, verse 60, on the ninth day, Abidin, the son of Gideonai, the chief of the people of Benjamin, his offering was exactly the same. Verse 66, on the tenth day, Ahiazer, the son of Amishad, Amishaddai, the chief of the people of Dan, his offering was the same. Verse 72, on the eleventh day, uh, Pagiel, the son of Ochran, the chief of the people of Asher, his offering was the same. In, in verse 78, on the twelfth day, Ahira, the son of Enan, the chief of the people of Naphtali, his offering was one silver plate whose weight was 130 shekels, one silver basin of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one golden dish of 10 shekels full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old. This was the offering of Ahira, the son of Enan. In verse 84 through 88 is the summary. And says, this was the dedication offering for the altar on the day when it was anointed from the chiefs of Israel. Twelve silver plates, twelve silver basins, twelve golden dishes, each silver plate weighing 130 shekels, and each basin, 70. All the silver of the vessels, 2,400 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. The twelve golden dishes, full of incense, weighing ten shekels apiece, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. All the gold of the dishes being 120 shekels. All the cattle for the burnt offering, 12 bulls, 12 rams, 12 male lambs a year old, with their grain offering and 12 male goats for a sin offering. And all the cattle for the sacrifice of peace offerings, 24 bulls, the rams 60, the male goats 60, the male lambs a year old 60. This was the dedication offering for the altar after it was anointed. It's a lot. A lot. Each silver plate weighed three pounds. The silver bowls, two pounds. The gold shovel, about four ounces. But on top of that, there's incense, flour, oil, bowls, rams, lambs, goats, oxen. It was all a generous display of giving. That's what this was. Yes, it was required. As the Lord said, they shall offer their offerings, one chief each day, for the dedication of the altar. They all had their turns. But the question is, can we ever outgive God? Can we ever outgive Him? Even if we gave everything, that is, everything that we possess, everything that we have, all our money, our time completely to him, can, can we even outgive him then? And the answer, of course, is no. But again, through this, God was teaching his people a different way of thinking and living. 
This, this was promised land living. That, that's what this was. It's a whole different mindset than the one that they had when they were enslaved in Egypt. Slavery to the flesh in the world means you're unsure of provision. That's what that means. If you, if you, if you feel anxious, if you feel doubtful, then it's because you're paying attention more to the flesh and to the world and to those around you than you are to the promises of God. But when you come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then you come to trust in God who promises to meet all of your needs. And please notice that each tribal leader gave exactly the same. That's why I kept saying the exact same thing. You can read through it 12 times, the exact same thing, each time written the exact same way, all the way through, each time. You see, no one could boast that they gave more than others. This is, this is all equal giving. This is huge sacrifices, by the way. But they all gave the same. No one could boast about giving more or giving, you know, you, you gave less and I gave more, you know. Nothing like that. They came before the Lord and gave exactly the same thing. Seeing our giving in the sense of more or less is an error before God. It boasts of what we gave before men, not before God. When we think that way, that's what, that's what we're thinking of. We're thinking about other people. We're not thinking about God. You see, it was, it was repeated over and over, right? Was it a waste of God's word to repeat this? The same exact offering for each of the 12 tribes? And of course, the answer is no, because repetition is, I, as I said at the very beginning, uh, God's way of emphasizing something of great import, importance. Each tribe gave. No one was exempt, and they all gave the same. Remember that God receives all offerings that we make. God receives just as he received all the offerings, all of them, that they gave. He received them all. And he receives them from us when we give with the right heart before him. You remember the widow and the two mites? mites? I, think that, I, I think that's a great example. In fact, Jesus used that as a lesson for his disciples. He, he brought him over. He, he called him over and said, hey, I want to tell you about something that I just observed. And he gave him this lesson about giving. All the rest gave out of their abundance. This one woman, she gave too much. She gave everything she had. And you can be sure that she wasn't boasting about it. That's why I say, to think of our giving as being more or less than someone else is to not be thinking about your giving correctly, to be generous before the Lord. Because a little widow with two mites could be out giving you. That's because she has the right heart. 2 Corinthians again, 9, 7 says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Again, that's when we realize what it is to give, that it truly is more blessed to give than to receive. That we're willing. 
not only win- willing, but, but we do so cheerfully, knowing that, that what I'm doing, what I'm giving, of, whether it be of myself, of my time, or, or my treasure, that is the finances that we have, it's, it's all to God's glory. Why? Because our offering comes before Him. That's why. A cheerful giver, fully knowing that our giving, our generosity is before God and to His glory, and trusting that He will continue to provide as we have need. Do we trust Him for that? And then verse 89. And when Moses went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony, from between the two cherubim, and it spoke to him. Now, Moses continues to speak, or or, uh, the Lord continues to speak to Moses from that very place that he had designated that he would speak to Moses from. And we'll find out exactly what he told him next week as we continue our study in chapter 8. But what I do want to point out was the fact that Moses continued to go before the Lord to listen. And then he'd come back out and he'd speak to the children of Israel and tell them exactly what God said. That's, That's what he would do. He would go in, listen, meet with the Lord, come back out, and simply pass along what the Lord had said. That's what he kept doing over and over and over and over. We need leaders who listen to God, spend time with Him daily, who know His voice and are confident to speak that word to the people without adulterating it, without compromising it, exactly how God lays it out. Each one of you are a leader in some way, shape, or form. People are looking to you. As a Christian, that's just what happens. We need to be students of the Word of God, so that way we can come to them without kind of twisting God's Word to mean something that He didn't mean for them to mean. We should know the Word of God in such a way that when, when, we, when we speak to people, we speak in love, but we speak God's Word without drawing back without lack of confidence, without any doubt. We say, you know what? This is what the Word of God says. It hasn't changed. By the way, God says He hasn't changed today. He's the same yesterday. He is the same today. And He'll be the same tomorrow. Eternally. He doesn't change. He doesn't change with culture. Now, in Christ, God has given us everything. Everything. Where does it say that? Well, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. That's 2 Peter chapter 1, verses, I think, 3 through 5. 
but it started out with verse 3. And it's with that, and it's with this that perhaps we would have a better understanding when Jesus spoke these words in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And we know them very well. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What are we seeking? For whose glory? And are we, are we seeking those things which are according to the will of God? To further his kingdom, to bring him glory, to bring him honor, all for him? Or is it for us? We need to think about those things. Sometimes, I think a lot of times, we ask for things. We say, praise God, all honor and glory to you. Thank you so much. And it's mine. And we, we keep it. It's for us. It's, it's not for him. Remember that we are to live sacrificially unto the Lord. So, as I've said, and it comes to mind all the time because we need to be reminded of this. We are to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow the Lord. That requires a submissive position before the Lord, humble before Him. So what things? What things will be added to us if we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness? Well, everything, everything that is necessary to bring Him glory and bless you in all things eternal. Remember, for a future, not the now. Now He'll... He'll sustain us. He'll provide for us. Sometimes He'll give us a little abundance here and there. He'll bless us. We are to take joy in that. But it's all to His glory. Yes, He'll give us everything that we ask for according to His will. That's the little caveat. That's the perfect will of God. Not not ours. With what we've been given, we are to be generous in our giving. That is, again, of our time, talent, and treasure, all to the glory of God. And the question to just close out this evening, as the title is to reflect the giver of all good things, we are to be just reflectors. That's, that's all we are to be, just these, uh, these mirrors. Set at, set at an angle, as the sun shines down, we are to shine that onto others. Just, just His reflection. The question for us is, do you reflect the giver of all good things? Because in so doing, it reflects your trust in him. And I pray that we do. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Just we thank, we thank you at the beginning. We thank you now as we've gone through your word, this chapter, Father, how beautiful it is. It speaks of preparing your people to be generous, to trust in you, to have faith in you, to look to you for all things that are necessary to walk in the promised land. We know that our abundance comes from Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And Lord, forgive us if we've fallen short. I'm sure all of us have fallen short in this area, Lord, of generosity, of of seeking ways in which we can redeem the time, making the best use of it every day to give of ourselves generously, lavishly, in ways that you would be glorified, you would be honored, 
and we would be storing up treasures in heaven. And so, Lord, help us, Father. Help us, Lord, to walk according to the Spirit that we would not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Help us, as Ray reminded of us at the very beginning, to keep our eyes focused on you, that we would be able to do the things that require faith without distractions, without keeping our eyes or having our eyes go off on the world or anything else, the storms around us. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. We praise you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.